Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast and it is indeed presented by league apps and we have another great show a couple weeks ago we were actually talking about heading with mike lynch and paul gardner and anson dorrance and a couple other outstanding guests This week we go even deeper as we talk about the Head Impact and Trauma Surveillance Study, known as HITS, H-I-T-S-S. You can learn more and actually sign up for the study by going to hitss.org. We are joined by Dr. Robert Stern, who's a professor of neurology, neurosurgery, and anatomy, and neurobiology at Boston University, and he's the lead investigator in this study. And we're also joined by Matt Roebuck, who is the HITS, H-I-T-S-S, Recruitment and Retention Coordinator, who joined this study for a reason. You'll like his input as well. Dr. Stern is off the charts amazing, and Matt Roebuck is real and genuine. I also want to thank Dr. Missy Price and Jeff Van Dusen for pushing this study forward. Again, it's called the Head Impact and Trauma Surveillance Study. And breaking it down for us is Dr. Robert Stern and Matt Roebuck. After that extended visit, we talked with Kelly Farrell, who was part of the original 30 under 30 class for United Soccer Coaches back in 2014. She was just named the new head coach of the University of Little Rock women's soccer team. We've got her on, and then we meet another member of our current 30 under 30 class, Brad Gieske. He attributes a lot of his success to Tony DeChico and the DeChico boys. What a story he has to tell to end the show. And it all starts after hearing from our presenting sponsor, League Apps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by League Apps, a very important topic, head impact and trauma surveillance study, known as HITS, H-I-T-S-S. And we are here with two of the leaders of this important study. You can make an impact, folks, members of United Soccer Coaches, by enrolling in the Head Impact and Trauma Surveillance Study, H-I-T-S-S, you can help us answer important questions about later life brain health risks associated with repetitive head impacts in soccer and tackle football. Some questions we hope to answer, does playing soccer affect my risk for later life brain health issues? Does it matter what age I started playing? 
If I never had a concussion, am I at risk? How many head impacts are too many? Do certain positions have elevated risk? Am I at risk if I didn't play youth sports? Are professional players more susceptible? And to help do this, we have two of the leaders, including the leading doctor behind this entire cause. Dr. Robert Stern is a professor of neurology, neurosurgery, and anatomy and neurobiology at Boston University BU School of Medicine. He is an internationally recognized expert on chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, and the long-term effects of repetitive head impacts in athletes. He is co-founder and director of clinical research for the BU CTE Center, and he is the lead investigator of a 17 million seven-year NIH grant for a multi-center study to develop methods of diagnosing CTE during life, as well as examining potential risk factors of the disease. Dr. Stern's other major area of funded research includes the diagnosis and treatment of Alzheimer's disease. From 2010 to 2019, he was the clinical core director of the NIH-funded BU Alzheimer's Disease Center and is currently a senior scientist for the center. Indeed, an honor, Dr. Stern. Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Dean, the honor is mine. Thanks very much for having us. And we also have the HITSS HITS Recruitment and Retention Coordinator, Matt Roebuck, who graduated from the University of Massachusetts Amherst with a BS in sports management. He joined the Stern Lab in May 2021 as Recruitment and Retention Coordinator for the Head Impact and Trauma Surveillance Study, HITS, following a career in the front offices of three Major League Baseball organizations. During his time at MLB, Matt worked in communications roles for the Miami Marlins, Seattle Mariners, and Boston Red Sox, most recently serving as Senior Director of Communications for the Marlins. Welcome to you as well, Mr. Roebuck. Thanks for being on. Thank you so much, Dean. I appreciate it. Let's go blank canvas here, Dr. Stern. Your resume is beyond impressive, and I'm not saying that in a sycophantic way. It's just a matter of fact, and I know Mr. Roebuck will support that statement. But big picture, where are we headed with this, and why is this so important for our 30,000-plus members to pay attention to? First of all, I padded my CV tremendously. It's all just multiple pages of the same thing. So there's, there's nothing really exciting there. <laughs> Seriously, though, where are we heading with this? We're trying to come up with some answers. You know, people for the last oh, you know, five, six, seven years have been talking about these repetitive blows to the head in contact sports and long-term problems with the brain. But most of that stuff, most of the work on that, the research on it has come from former professional American football players, tackle football players, not the real football, not soccer. So we've learned a lot about the long-term consequences about getting your head hit over and over again in high-level football, but we don't know much about what happens to the brain when you get a hit over and over again in soccer. And by that, I mean heading. That's the scary part, is that people haven't been focusing on heading that much around the world and what the consequences might be for the brain immediately, but more importantly, from my mind, later on in life, when it comes to a variety of disorders and even this disease called CTE. So where are we heading with this, Dean? We're trying to come up with some answers about what happens when people have a multiple year, one year, 20 year history 
of playing soccer at any level and later life brain health. That's the goal. And one of the things I think you're trying to do is say, what else can all of us do to help? How can we spread the word to everyone we know, friends, family, colleagues, and former teammates? The faster we enroll enough participants, and I'm using we through you, the faster we can answer those important questions. And that's part of the focus, I think, as well of this interview, is it not? Oh, that's the big thing. We want to get this message out that for us to be able to come up with some important answers to critical questions, we need to enroll people into this study, this HITS project, as quickly as possible. We need 4,800 participants in this research study. That's half American football and half soccer. And we need those people as quickly as possible to get into this research project and complete the assessments that are all done online. And we can talk more about the details of that in a little bit to try to get those assessments done as quickly as possible so we can analyze the data to figure out those answers to those important questions that you were raising before. Things like how much heading might lead to later life problems. Are there differences between men and women who played soccer? Does it matter what level people played up to? Like, what if someone just played youth soccer 30 years ago and headed the ball a lot? And that was it. They never played high school or college or anything. Does that make a difference? Well, we don't know yet. What about high-level soccer, college, elite, pro, national team? Is it that level of soccer that makes a difference when it comes to later life changes in the brain? We just don't know. So we want to find out these answers to these important questions as quickly as possible. And that's why we need to spread the word for everyone to get on our website, which is hits.org. It's H-I-T-S-S dot O-R-G, hits.org, and enroll. It's an easy study to participate in, and we'll, we'll talk more in a, in a few minutes, but we need people to spread the word. Go to hits.org as quickly as possible so we can enroll 4,800 people so we can start coming up with the answers. And I think it's important to add on to that, that it's anyone age 40 or older who played soccer in this case, but soccer or tackle football at any point in their lives. So youth only, high school, college or beyond, pro, national team, including in that 2,400 former soccer players or 1,200 women. We're looking for 1,200 female soccer players as well. So it's important that we are addressing the, the gender gap in the research here as well. But anyone 40 or older who has played at any level, like Dr. Stern, like Bob mentioned, 30 years ago, if you haven't touched a soccer ball, but you played when you were seven, eight, nine years old, we need you. We need you to help answer that question of, you know, age start of starting to play. It's important to visit our site for more information, anyone who's eligible, but also spread the word, please. Matt brings up a really important issue about the gender gap. This is a really important year in the history of women's soccer in particular, but also women's involvement in athletics in general. This is the 50th anniversary of Title IX, which really started everything when it comes to women in soccer. This is also the year where we just recently had that very important settlement, where now we have equal pay 
between the women's and men's national teams. That is so long overdue. So women have been involved in all of these sports through college levels. And kids, girls have been able to play because they saw their older sisters, they saw their superstars and, and role models play soccer through the years, all since Title IX really started 50 years ago. So there's been all this increased availability of these sports, but guess what? One thing has not stayed up to the same speed, and that's research of women in medicine, period, but especially women in sports and the long-term consequences for brain health when it comes to women's involvement in sports. So we now have equal pay, but the question is, do we have equal information about perhaps the negative consequences, perhaps some good health positive outcomes for these individuals. So we need to bridge the gap, not just of involvement, but also research participation. And the HIT study has as a huge goal to study as many women as we possibly can enroll into this project so we can understand the long-term consequences of playing soccer earlier in life and later life brain health in women. How are we doing on that goal for 4,800, including 1,200 women, as we're talking about today, head impact and trauma surveillance study? Again, you can learn more by going to hitss.org, hits.org. How are we doing right now on that goal? Well, we just launched in March, so we have a long way to go. We're off to a good start. We have some great momentum already early and with support from places like United Soccer Coaches and many others throughout the country. Hopefully we'll reach it sooner rather than later, but it's an ambitious number. I, I want to put it into context a little bit that 4,800, it's a very ambitious number. We need millions of people to hear about this and come to our website to, to see if they're eligible and to want to help to get to that goal of close to 5,000 people. So we are off to a good start. We've got some great support from some ambassadors from the game, some Hall of Famers and some big names throughout the sport. People like Alexi Lalas and Taylor Twellman and Brandi Chastain, Linda Hamilton, recent Hall of Fame inductee. Congratulations to her. But having them give their support and want to speak about this, it helps validate it for me and for, for others out there that this is important work to be done for people like them that played the game themselves. Researchers at Boston University and the University of California, San Francisco, UCSF have teamed up to create the Head Impact and Trauma Surveillance Study to answer questions about risk of developing later life brain health issues from repetitive head impacts and contact sports. HITS is funded by a grant from the National Institutes of Neurological Disorders and Stroke and the National Institute on Aging. And the principal investigator is on the show leading it off, Dr. Robert Stern. And Dr. Stern, as you think about being the lead investigator for this all-important cause, can you put into words in the simplest form what that means to you? You know, I've been doing research in this area for 14 years at this point. And I've been meeting all kinds of amazing people, former athletes who have been having various symptoms later in life. I had the great honor to talk with the family members of deceased individuals whose brains were donated for research to help us understand what goes on 
in the brains of people who were exposed to these repetitive blows to the head earlier in life. And so it's been a growing passion of mine. The greatest passion of my career is to really try to understand what are the risk factors for the brain disease, CTE, as well as other potential long-term consequences of, of getting hit over and over again in these sports that we love. So to understand what are those consequences, what are the risk factors? And the other part of what I do is to try to figure out how to diagnose these problems during life. So we don't have to wait for people to die to diagnose these, these disorders and, and diseases, but to try to understand what people are going through during life and then to develop a variety of important types of tests using things like PET scans and MRI scans and blood tests, things like that. But this study, HITS, is something that really was the next step in my career, where I've been doing a whole lot of work focusing on small numbers of people, predominantly former American football players, where we'd bring them into Boston or around the country to different sites and get all kinds of advanced tests done on them, do spinal taps and collect spinal fluid and get blood samples. And we'd put people's head, you know, bodies in scanners and, and do all kinds of testing. Those have been really important, huge studies but they don't get to the question of risk, meaning who's at risk, who might have some resilience to some of these problems, who gets what, who doesn't get what, and importantly, what's beyond professional men tackle football players? What about people who only played up to youth, Pop Warner football, or high school, or college? But what about that other game of football? What about soccer? That game that's played by billions of people through the last few decades? Billions. And what about women? And what about trying to figure out risk and resilience for these long-term consequences of repeatedly getting your, your head hit, that incredible brain inside? And that's where hits comes in. So instead of having small numbers of people get seen in person for all these advanced kind of detailed tests, HITS is all about a large number of people with a wide diversity of background, background in terms of their own personal histories and social histories and race and ethnicity and gender, but also levels of play, types of play across both soccer and football. So HITS can do that by being a fully online research assessment. And that's what's so cool about it. Anyone can participate anywhere they want to participate. And it just takes two hours. Two and hours. then hopefully come back a year later and a year later so we can follow people over time. But that first assessment, it's fully online. And it includes things like questions about sports participation, what we refer to as repetitive head impact exposure and concussion history, as well as medical history, and then some computerized brain game kind of things, memory and cognitive tests on the computer. And then a bunch of questionnaires about behavior and mood. And the whole thing, as I said, only takes around two hours to complete in the comfort, privacy of your own home. It can be completed over multiple days if someone wants. 
And that's it. No blood draws, no, no heads and scanners, no traveling anywhere. It is a way for people to make a difference. It's a way for all your listeners, if they played soccer at any level or football at any level, it's a way for them to make a difference by just getting online, enrolling, and spending these two hours answering a bunch of questions. Because answering those questions will answer our questions, all of our questions, not just us researchers, but all of our, our questions. What are the great benefits from playing these terrific sports? And what are the potential risks? And what can we do to minimize those risks by making the game as safe as possible and as wonderful as possible? At the risk of saying, you know, two hours sounds daunting to people. You can take your time with it. You can break it up over a couple of days. There's no doctor's visits. There's no office visits involved with it. It's, it's at your own leisure. Sit down, get as far into it as you can over a couple of days, and then you're done. It's important. It's easy to enroll. It's important work at the risk of people being scared off of hearing, you know, two hours of time. It's two hours annually, and it can be broken up over multiple days at your own time, at your own convenience. Hey, and Dean, it's really important for people to understand. We're not looking for people who have problems and people who have symptoms and people who have cognitive difficulties and memory problems. We're looking for everyone. This isn't a study of people with difficulties. We're looking at anyone over the age of 40 or 40 and over who played soccer or tackle football at any level, youth, high school, college, beyond. That's who we're looking for. You could be completely healthy, completely active, independent. You are the best that you've ever been, or you can be 85 years old and maybe starting to have some difficulties that you want to spend some time online doing some of these questionnaires. We're looking for everyone. Yeah, you don't need to have had a concussion or a documented concussion. The requirements to participate are pretty simple. 40 and older, played soccer or tackle football at any level. And it, it's, it's easy to enroll. And more importantly, it's easy to help us make an impact. That means people should go to hits.org, H-I-T-S-S dot O-R-G. I, I sound like this is a uh, telethon for research, but seriously, that's how we're going to do it. People just need to go to hits.org with two <laughs> S's, read about it, and click the Enroll Now button, and then get comfy, and over a two-hour stretch of time, some people it's a little less time, some people it's a little more time. Hopefully you're doing it on a laptop or a desktop computer because those cognitive tests, brain game type things can't be done on a phone. That's all it is for people to make but a difference. you can enroll on your phone. You That's can right. enroll on your phone. You can start the process, answer some questions about your playing history. And then when it comes time to do some of the assessments, you might have to switch to a, a laptop or a desktop. Here's an important topic. I'm guessing a lot of your listeners think that it's all about concussions, that all these things about CTE, this and that, it's all about having concussions when playing soccer or football or whatever, and that the more concussions you have, the greater the risk, and the reality is no, it's not about concussions, and that's the part that always gets me is everyone keeps thinking it's about concussions when it isn't. And all of the research shows that it's not about these 
things called concussions when it comes to later life problems. So what's a concussion? It's when your head gets hit or your body gets struck and your head moves quickly back and forth and that brain, that most precious organ in our bodies moves rapidly inside the skull and the kind of long fibers inside the brain get stretched and sheared and there's all kinds of immediate changes to the integrity of those brain cells. And if that happens, and then there's a variety of symptoms right at that time or shortly thereafter, the symptoms can be, you know, just feeling in a fog, feeling like your bell was rung, seeing stars, having difficulty remembering things or feeling kind of down or sad or not being able to balance okay. Those are all the symptoms of concussion. You don't need to have a loss of consciousness. You don't need to black out after getting hit to have a concussion. Just a teeny fraction of concussions involve a loss of consciousness. So that's what a concussion is. It's when you get hit and it's a big enough certain type of hit to result in symptoms. Without those symptoms or an observed change, it ain't a concussion. Those happen and they need to be taken care of. They are important. They need to be taken seriously and they need to be appropriately diagnosed, evaluated, treated. There needs to be a, an appropriate return to play. But when it comes to these later life problems that we're concerned about, it doesn't seem to be about those symptomatic concussions. What seems to be the biggest risk for later life brain problems in these activities or what we refer to as subconcussive trauma. And by that, I mean getting your head hit, that brain moving rapidly front to back, side to side, rotational, getting that head hit without the symptoms of concussion. And so the brain cells are getting hurt, but it doesn't have the same type of response as a symptomatic concussion. And think about it in soccer, in tackle football, and a lot of different activities, especially boxing is the big one, that brain can get hurt over and over and over and over again, but without any symptoms. And therefore, if you don't have symptoms, you keep getting hurt because our bodies are meant to stop doing something if you're getting hurt by it. But you know, I don't think our bodies were meant to have our heads strike a ball going pretty darn fast, perhaps from a goalkeeper's huge punt, and it's landed on your head. I don't think we were meant as human beings to deal with those kinds of hits over and over and over again. We were meant to keep that brain safe. That's why it's up at the top of our body. That's why it's in a skull. That's why we don't hit our heads over and over again on the wall, typically. Those are the things that seem to set in motion this cascade of changes in the brain that in some people lead to a degenerative brain disease called chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And CT is a disease that's very similar to Alzheimer's disease, but it's a different disease. So you don't get Alzheimer's disease from getting your head hit over and over again, like in soccer. If you do have memory problems and thinking problems that get in the way of independent living later on, where we'd call it dementia, it can be dementia due to CTE, not due to Alzheimer's disease. 
And prior to dementia, all of these diseases, whether it's Alzheimer's or CTE or other brain diseases like this, slowly but surely start hurting the brain. And there can be symptoms earlier on, problems with memory and organization, planning, multitasking. And those types of things happening earlier on can eventually get worse and worse because more of the brain is getting hurt by this disease or perhaps other changes that were started way back when, years ago, at the time of those repetitive hits. You know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm sounding like I know all the answers to this stuff. I know enough to be concerned. I know enough to say we need to do more research to find out more. And that's where this study comes in. Well, and it's interesting, speaking of your brain, my brain is not as big as your brain, but it is big enough to know that you wanting to align with United Soccer Coaches, where I am certain more than 50% of their 30,000 members are over the age of 40, which makes it a good chance, even if you just get X percentage of people to participate. Can you just talk about why you knew United Soccer Coaches would be the right organization to align with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to your point, you know, former soccer players or what are they doing? They're involved in the sport in some level and you know, probably coaching. And so when we actually saw that at the time, Dr. Missy Price, who was the president this past year of United Soccer Coaches, was in our own backyard here coaching. We reached out to her to just open lines of communication because I immediately thought that, again, you know, looking for enough participants to find these answers, we have to have massive outreach to spread the word. And knowing, again, that a broad assumption, I don't think, but that former soccer players are now still involved in some level coaching the game, right? What are former soccer players doing? They're coaching. They're giving back to the game. And this is another way for them to continue to give back to the game. And so we reached out with Dr. Price, who put us in touch with Jeff Van Dusen, who's been extremely supportive as well. I had some great conversations, and I've learned a lot from them and, and shared information about hits to them and to both of them and many others, not just involved with the United Soccer Coaches, but what I've found in, in speaking to so many who have been in the game and played the game and played the game at the highest levels and were in the Hall of Fame, and they all all immediately want to know what they can do to help because they either have their own questions that they want to find answers for or give back to the game in some form. So absolutely speaking with Dr. Price early on, it was just a, it felt like a natural fit and hopefully your listeners do want to continue to give back to the game. Head impact and trauma surveillance study. Normally I would take a break, but this topic is too important. We have about five minutes left in this opening segment as we dedicate almost 50 minutes to this all important topic, head impact and trauma surveillance study. And Dr. Stern, I don't wanna end without two points being made as you've already done a great job on the numbers that you wanna hit for this study. You've already done a great job on designating who can participate. The fact that it doesn't take that long, two hours, what I want to end with is I want to know more about some of the other team members. And I realize your resume is so expansive, but you also have some other big time doctors that are a part of this. And then I want to end with privacy because I think privacy is important for people in doing this study. So if you could touch on those two things, and then I'll give both of you a final word after that. Thanks, Dean. I can't do any of this stuff alone. I'm not smart enough. 
and boy, I don't have enough energy. But I'm so unbelievably lucky to have the best group of collaborators around. Any kind of science like this requires people from different areas of expertise, different views, and different institutions. Some of the key people involved in the HITS study, and again, for your listeners, that's H-I-T-S-S dot O-R-G. Go to hits.org and you can read more about all of these great collaborators. So my partner in crime in this is Dr. Michael Losco from Boston University. But then across the country, we are so fortunate having Dr. Michael Weiner as a major collaborator. Dr. Weiner is one of the rock stars of Alzheimer's disease research. He is also the principal investigator of the Brain Health Registry at the University of California, San Francisco. And that's where he's a professor at. Dr. Weiner created the Brain Health Registry to be able to do this kind of large-scale study for Alzheimer's disease. And so he teamed up with us to be able to attach ourselves to this brain health registry to answer the questions about head impact and trauma surveillance. So the HITS project is associated with Dr. Weiner's brain health registry at the University of California, San Francisco. Then we've got a variety of investigators at both coasts. So Dr. Doug Katz here at BU, Dr. Scott Mackin crossing the country again at UCSF. Then we have an exposure scientist who's a professor of environmental health and occupational exposures, Dr. Mike McLean at the BU School of Public Health. My close colleague, Dr. Ann McKee, she's here at BU and at the VA Medical Center, where she is the neuropathologist whose name is really associated with understanding the neuropathology of chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And my colleague here, Dr. Jesse Mez, an amazing neurologist and researcher here at BU, Dr. Rachel Nosheni, cross back at UCSF, incredible biostatistician, Dr. Yurgos Tripodis, who's at the School of Public Health. He's a professor of biostatistics. And Dr. Robert Turner at George Washington University, who's an incredible former football player turned medical sociologist and is working on the social and racial disparities type of research, uh, because that's another major focus of ours in all of our research, is trying to understand what are the gaps in knowledge we currently have when it comes to racial and ethnic diversity of different research study populations, and how early life background and socioeconomic difficulties and diversity and can play out later in life when it comes to overall health and brain health. Our associate professor of epidemiology, uh, an epidemiologist, uh, Dr. Jennifer Weave at BU School of Public Health. And then we have a, an amazing team. I just need to do a shout out to Matt's uh, colleagues here at our coordinating center for the HITS project, Sahib Singh, who's the project manager, and Caleb Batten, who's the administrative coordinator, and Shania Baldwin, who is a research assistant and a relatively recent grad a year ago from Wellesley College. And she's the one who put us in touch with Dr. Price because uh, Shania was an athlete at Wellesley. So we've got an amazing group of people. And hopefully all together, we will be able to move this 
field just a little bit forward and answer some really critical questions. I'm big on shout outs, so I'm glad you got them in there. Again, let's end with the privacy question. What is my information used for? Will the information I give in my cognitive test results be shared with others? And what is an institutional review board and a consent form? You're hitting on perhaps the most important issues when it comes to any research. And it's questions that people don't usually think about or understand about research. So privacy in research is a number one. We can't do research without confidentiality. We just cannot be successful. We can't answer questions and we can't possibly earn the trust of research participants without 100% confidentiality. And so none of the information that people provide through their online assessments is attached to their name or other contact information or personally identifiable information. Meaning all the answers to all their questions, all of the cognitive tests, all of the questionnaires, that stuff is attached to an ID number without anyone knowing what that ID number corresponds to in terms of someone's name and information about who they are. So confidentiality is absolutely key for us to succeed in research, to make sure that our research is also at the highest possible level of care for our participants. All clinical research, research with human beings, has to be approved by an institutional review board or IRB. It's kind of like an ethics board that reviews an entire research study protocol, all the things that are being done, and make sure that there's an appropriate informed consent form. That even though this is done online, we still ask people to read through an informed consent form and provide their written consent to participate. And so our study has been approved by two different IRBs, the Boston University School of Medicine or Medical Campus IRB, as well as the University of California, San Francisco IRB. We can't do anything and wouldn't ever do anything without making sure that the safety and well-being of our participants comes first. Last word time. I'll start with you, Matt Roebuck. What do you want our members to remember? I want them to remember our website, hitss.org. But I think it's important just to give a little bit about, you know, coming into this. And I came, as you mentioned earlier in the show, and my background pales in comparison to, to Bob's. But I came into this after 20 years working in uh, Major League Baseball in front offices and not in a background of science or medicine or academia. Life circumstances led me to find something more rewarding for myself, more impactful. And so when I first connected with Bob, I knew that working in this area was for me and wanted to even just play a small role in, in raising awareness for something that is truthfully changing the world to help these incredibly smart, passionate people like Bob and Dr. McKee and Dr. Lasco and all the others that he mentioned earlier to help them find answers. I'm a parent of two daughters. I'm a coach of their sports. They're multi-sport athletes. They play soccer themselves. And so it was personal for me. My dad had passed from a, a head impact, a head trauma. My grandfather had ALS. And so all of those things kind of combining it, the, the moment I first met Bob and we spoke about this opportunity, it really was important. It really was the right fit. And then one of the first things I did, you mentioned earlier, getting connected with United Soccer Coaches, but one of the first things I did was reach out to people from my network and others 
blindly reached out to Coach Nancy Fellman. Congratulations to her on an incredible career here at Boston University. Wanted to speak to people who were in the game and understand their concerns and understand what they thought of this issue and what they thought of this research and getting connected to Alexi Lalas and spending a great conversation with Linda Hamilton uh, and hearing from, these are the people who this stu study is for, people who have played the game, people who are going to play the game. So it was important to me, Yael Averbush was so insightful and, and you know, she's done everything within the sport. And, and those people validating this, it makes it real. And it makes me so proud to be just, again, playing such a small part of this and hopefully allowing the, the doctors and researchers like Bob and others to find answers. Again, hits.org, hitss.org. It's so important for those that have played the game. This is a way to give back to it. Again, we have a great video from Alexi and many others on our site, but Alexi put it right. It's for those who played, those who are playing, and those who will choose to play. It's just understanding the risk in the sport. We're not doing anything to talk about eliminating the sport or cancel the sport. It's just about making it safer if necessary. You know, when I see and when I, when I got into this and doing research myself and learning as much as I could about it, and when I read about you know, in English football introducing their new guidance this year on headers from the grassroots level all the way up to the Premier League, if they can have those conversations uh, there with all due respect, you know, here in this country, we should be as well. Reading Mark Bullingham, the CEO of the Footballers Association over there, talking about we're committed to further medical research to gain an understanding of any of the risks. Well, that's what we're doing. We're doing that work here. It's made it all worthwhile for me. As somebody who speaks from the heart and calls games from the heart, I appreciate your answer from the heart. Dr. Stern, you have the final word, sir. Dean, as a sport broadcaster, there's probably a name that uh, resonates with you, and that's Bob Costas. 100%. Bob being, you know, perhaps the most well-known of all American broadcasters, sports broadcasters. Bob is also one of our ambassadors for the HITS project. Bob says it well on our website. People can read more about it, but he says, the head impact and trauma surveillance study will provide a wealth of data and greater specificity to our understanding of a vitally important sports and medical issue. Other people speak much more eloquently than I, and so I'll, I'll leave it in, in Bob Costas's beautiful words. But the key thing is, no matter how much people care about this topic, no matter how many people are listening to this podcast right now, it doesn't mean a thing unless we can get people to enroll and complete this study. And so I plead with your listeners to not only do it yourselves by going to the hits.org website and learning about it and then clicking enroll and then finding the time to actually do the two hours of the assessment, but spread the word. If you don't want to do it, or if you don't feel like you're the right person to, to do it, or maybe you're younger than 40, spread the word to others. Anyone who's over age 40 or, or, or older, who played soccer at any level or American football at any level, can participate in this study. So please, everyone, just get to the website, hitss.org. Dr. Robert Stern, Matthew Roebuck, thank you so much for bringing this important study to our attention. We will continue to promote it. We continue to work hand in hand with 
you and your fine organization and this study. And also thanks for kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. Thank you. Thanks, Coming up, we will visit with Kelly Farrell, the new head coach at Little Rock, who was part of the 30 under 30 class with Casey Brown, who's the new head coach at BU. Great start to the show. We're off and rolling. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. The United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level 1 Special Topics Diploma will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve Level 1 accreditation as an Applied Performance Analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the Master Course Schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. United Soccer Coaches would like to thank all 2022 convention attendees, exhibitors, presenters, and volunteers for reuniting in Kansas City. You can relive all of the special moments from the awards banquet and All-America ceremony and reception by watching the recordings now available on unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Remember to save the date for the 2023 convention in Philadelphia, January 11 through 15, 2023. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps, another great show. Coming up, we'll meet another member of our current 30 under 30 class, and it's really exciting to see what the first ever 30 under 30 class for the then-named NSCAA, now United Soccer Coaches, is doing. Casey Brown was just named the head coach at Boston U, and Kelly Farrell was a part of that class, and a month ago, she was announced as the new head coach for the Little Rock women's soccer team. In fact, Little Rock Director of Athletics George Lee announced Kelly Farrell as the new head coach of the Trojan Soccer Program on May 10th. Farrell becomes the eighth head coach in program history as she will guide the Little Rock Soccer Program into the new era of the Ohio Valley Conference beginning in 2022. Farrell comes to Little Rock after spending the past five seasons at the University of Nebraska Omaha, including the past three seasons as the Mavericks associate head coach In her five seasons at Omaha, Farrell has helped guide UNO to -to back-to-back third-place summer league finishes, advancing to the conference tournament in three of the last four seasons. We'll have more on her bio, but let's welcome her in. Kelly Farrell, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, and you know, I just saw the news on Casey Brown. She was on that first class. I got to know her really well. Somehow we missed you and the interview, so I'm glad we finally get you now as a former 30 Under 30 member. How excited are you to be a head coach at Little Rock? I'm super excited. I'm really honored, you know, that they've entrusted me to lead the program, and I'm really looking forward to getting started. Yeah, you heard me mention Casey Brown and that 30 Under 30 program, and I know it was their first year, but what did it mean to be a part of that now that you're moving in to being a head coach? Yeah, it meant a lot when I was recognized for the 30 Under 30 program. It was a really good way for me to to network and kind of get my foot in the door as a young coach at that point. So it's really exciting to kind of look back on that which was almost, you know, 10 years ago now to see where I was at and now where I'm going. You talk about somebody who's put in the time. Prior to your time at Omaha, you spent time at UAB, Georgia Southern, and Monmouth. You were the associate head coach at UAB in 2016 after spending three seasons in Statesboro and two at Monmouth. That's called putting in the time. You obviously had a vision to, quote, put in the time to get to this point, right? For sure. Yes. You feel like the timeline is good for you, Kelly? I mean, you feel like you're ready? 
Yeah, it's always been a goal of mine to be a head coach at the Division One level. And, and like you said, I've, I've been coaching as an assistant for about 10 years now. So I feel like all of those ex- experiences and the people that I've worked for have really prepared me for this. You were a great player at Loyola. And by the way, I need to tell everybody that you're from Oceanside, New York, where you earned your degree in communications from Loyola in 2011, following a standout prep career at Oceanside High School, where she earned 11 varsity letters in soccer, track and field, and lacrosse. I like seeing that, Kelly, because, you know, a lot of times they say soccer only, but I got to believe based on your background, you like, you know, perhaps recruiting athletes that play other sports as well. Absolutely. I think there's a lot to say for for playing multiple sports. You know, I don't really see any reason to specialize, especially when you're younger. So those experiences playing lacrosse, running track really shaped me as an athlete. I met a lot of great people and, and had some really great coaches in other sports as well. Tell me about your impressions so far of George Lee and Little Rock in general as you head to Trojans land. Everything has been great so far. I'm, I'm actually on my way to Little Rock now um, to get settled in, but Everyone who I've met during my time there, um, you know, interviewing and, and over the phone kind of over these last few weeks has been have been amazing. They've been super welcoming and helpful, and I'm really excited to get down there in person and get started. And tell me what you took away from University of Nebraska, Omaha. I've been a longtime friend with Smiling Bob Warming. I saw he just stepped down, so they lose him and you as the associate coach over on the women's side. What did you like most about UNO? I loved my time at UNO. The biggest thing was really the people. I had a great mentor in Tim Walters, and I was really lucky to work with him for five years. The girls on the team were were amazing people, amazing athletes. So I was really fortunate to be surrounded by good people on and off the field. So pleased to have Kelly Farrow on. She was part of the first ever 30 under 30 class for then named NSCAA, now United Soccer Coaches. She's going to be the new head coach for the Little Rock women's soccer team. At the end of the day, at the end of maybe next year, how do you want people to describe Kelly Farrell and Little Rock style of play? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm I'm really excited to kind of incorporate my own style. Um, I'm definitely a possession-based type of coach. I want to keep the ball. Um, You know, one thing Tim at UNO really kind of instilled in me was, was the importance of defending. So I'm looking forward to really incorporating some of those team defensive principles, making sure that we're super hard to break down. I hope that a year from now, people would think that my team is is super hardworking and, and hopefully we have some wins to show for it. Now, as a longtime assistant coach and a longtime associate head coach, you perhaps more than anybody knows the importance that assistant coaches play. Have you put your coaching staff together or are you still working on it, Kelly? I think that's a, a super important piece of the puzzle. I am in the process of doing that right now. So looking forward to getting someone in in the next couple of weeks here. All right. And then in the meantime, I know you were just out with FC Dallas doing a camp and staying involved on multiple levels. I feel like that's kind of part of the fabric of Kelly Farrell. You're always looking for opportunities to learn and grow and share. Absolutely. You know, I think as a coach, you're you're never done learning. And I've had a lot of great coaches and friends who have taught me a lot about the game. So I'm always looking to keep myself relevant, involved, and get out there and work hard. And one of the things clearly that's been important to you is your relationship with United Soccer Coaches. What has that organization meant to you and your development? Yeah, United Soccer Coaches has been great. Obviously, I was part of the 30 under 30 class. I've done some licensing through them as well. So, and I attend the convention every year. So for me, it's it's a great way to learn and network and just kind of continue to grow as as a person and and as a coach. 
So is there a good chance we might see you in Philadelphia at the convention in January? I will absolutely be there. All right. And then you heard me mention in my open that Casey Brown is going back to her alma mater in Boston to be the head coach. She was part of that first class. Do you keep in touch with any of those 30 under 30 members in that first class or has too much time passed? I do keep in touch with a couple of them here and there. Anything else, Kelly, that uh, you want us to know about uh, how excited you are about this new job being the head women's soccer coach at Little Rock? I think you kind of summed it up in that. I'm, I'm just super excited to get started and, you know, finalize my roster here for the fall and, and hopefully put on a good show for all of our fans. If people want to follow you in your first season, do you know what the Twitter handle or Instagram handle is for Little Rock Women's Soccer? At Little Rock Sock, S-O-C. Kelly Farrell, part of the original 30 under 30 class, now the newly named head coach of the Little Rock Women's Soccer Team. What a great story. Kelly, congrats on all the work you've done to get here and good luck as you take over Little Rock. We look forward to great success down there at Little Rock this fall. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Another great success story coming out of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 program. And when we return, we meet a current member of the 30 Under 30 program, Brad Gieske. What a great story he shares. And that's coming up after these messages. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. As you know, my favorite part of the show as we get to know another member of our 30 under 30 class, and we are getting close to having interviewed all 30 members, 15 fantastic women, 15 fantastic men. And I'm pleased to be joined today by another great member, Brad Gieske, who lives in Missouri, works for USYS, specifically for Missouri. We'll get into that. But first, Brad, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Brad, for you, I definitely, you know, I often kind of give an open blank, a, a free canvas. And for you, I think it's definitely worth it because you've done so many cool things. Two-time state champion as a player. You go to college, you develop this, you'll explain it, but something adverse to gluten. So you can't ever play. You lose 27 pounds. Yet you come out of that with so much coaching experience all over the world. I mean, not just in the U.S., but all over the world. So start from the beginning, my man, where you grew up and how you uh, fell in love with soccer and everywhere you've been. Can you do that for me? Yeah, absolutely. Grew up in O'Fallon, Missouri, born in Ohio, but raised in Missouri from the age of five on. Went to a small Catholic school, Assumption, over in O'Fallon. Josh Sargent is actually from the same school. Then went to St. Dominic High School. So there's a, a couple of notable U.S. men's national team players that came from there as well. And so Josh is one of them. And then also I had a buddy. So his brother was Tim Reem. So Logan and I played together in Tim Reem. A couple of notable figures. And so it was something that was part of the culture in that area to play soccer and to grow up in the game. And I think really the first thing that sparked my absolute love for the game was Ronaldinho. So I saw Ronaldinho doing all these incredible things with the ball. 
and with a smile on his face, like huge smile. And it seemed like anything was possible. And I just remember that Jogo Benito campaign that Nike put out. And that's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to have fun playing the game. And so I did. And I did freestyle. I did soccer on, on our teams. And I did a lot of training on my own, even as much as like two hours a day for, for many, many years. That's really where my love started for the game. That's also kind of how my coaching journey began because I was doing freestyle as an exhibition at something called the Denny's 3v3 tournament. And there's a group of little girls that came up for autographs after. So of course you're like, oh yeah, like, thanks so much for coming. That started a relationship that when I got sick at college, I was at Truman State there to play and then do pre-medicine and I lost 27 pounds and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And so two and a half years later, I would find out that it was a gluten allergy. And so I was eating 6,000 calories a day, but I wasn't absorbing the nutrients from it because of gluten reactions. And so that's something that just a couple of weeks ago, I've gotten a clear to have gluten again, which is awesome. So I went over 10 years without any gluten. And now the world is my burrito, uh, <laughs> and figuratively. The world truly is your burrito because talk about everywhere you've coached. I mean, it's not just in the U.S. It's not just in Missouri. Yeah. So I was really blessed to work with Soccer Plus. It was actually based off of a cold call. I had been running my own soccer club and um, the soccer club was started based on that initial interaction from the Denny's 3v3 tournament doing the freestyle exhibition. And then that led me to Drew DeChico, a cold call with him. And he was just so warm and open and welcoming. And he said, hey, we've got a camp in Kansas City. Like, can you be here next week? And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, that sounds like a dream just to go and travel and coach soccer. And so went to Kansas City. I met who I refer to as the most interesting man in the world, Heath. Very quickly, we became friends. And I just remember sitting and listening to his stories about coaching all over the world and thinking, people really do this? Like he would be a ski instructor or a lift operator in the winter and then a soccer coach for camps in the summer and then just do that perpetually and have no living expense. So you get to decide where you live in between because the one job's covering your, your travel and where you're staying and all that. And then the other one, you're, you're at a vacation resort type of area. And I was just like, man, I, I really didn't know these things were available to us. So yeah, I just remember getting there at Avila University in Kansas City and thinking, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I, I remember being nervous because I remember the quality that was communicated at the soccer plus camps to the staff was so high. And I was just like, man, I am, I am really with some, some neat people. So he, I, we were doing something called pressure training. It was like the signature soccer plus thing. And so really, really challenging session designed to push you to your absolute physical capacity and then to challenge your brain to decide, you know what? No, I can do one more. I can do one more. And so the staff for soccer plus would demo and I just remember a, an activity called fetch. And so it's exactly what it sounds like. There's two balls. The partner kicks one out. You retrieve it and bring it back on the dribble as fast as you can. 
when you get back, they kick the other ball out and you go and get that one. And, and so the, the activity would be a minute long. So you're doing that as hard as you can for a minute. I always remember he said, you go until the whistle, even after the whistle, if you're in a rep, you finish it. And he had the biggest smile. I, I had been running and he kicks it as far as he can. So I'm like, all right. And then he blows the whistle. And so I'm just darting like 70, 80 yards to go get this ball and bring it back in the whole way. Not only is Heath encouraging me, but every other player, every other coach is encouraging me. Yeah, Brad, let's go. Let's go. Bring it back. Bring it back. And you're just so exhausted. But that energy is so contagious to be supported in that way. And so Soccer Plus left quite the footprint on my heart. I went from there to that same week. He's saying, hey, can you fly to the coast? And so then I went to the coast. And then, man, after that, every single summer came back and eventually um, was on the board for Soccer Plus and also took that opportunity to be a curriculum advisor for the program. Just meeting Tony along the way and learning lessons from him, uh, meeting Jeff Parrish, who's going to take us to the international part of my coaching experiences, Nick DiCicco, and then Drew, of course. Those mentioned, uh, Jeff, Nick, Drew, and Heath were all in my wedding too. So yeah, I, I guess to tie it into the international part, Nick and Jeff Parrish had just gone to Kenya when I had arrived on the scene and they brought back all these really cool stories. And I just remember Jeff saying, hey, I think you would do really well coming to Kenya. Why don't you come to Kenya with us? And that following summer went to Kenya and that really was like, wow, I need to see the world. The world is, is so big and there's so many cool things happening and met the kindest man I've ever met in my life, the most giving man I've ever met in my life, Davis Uma over in Manyata slums of Kenya. And I was uh, trading soccer balls for the Kenyan handmade soccer balls at a school. And the principal pulled me to the side and he said, I want you to know that Davis comes here every morning to ask the kids, have you had breakfast? And if they haven't, he gives his breakfast to the kids. And I just remember that being a very strong message in my heart saying like, Brad, you have so much more to give to the world. Like what you feel as comfort, most of the world doesn't have that buffer. And so find a way to, to provide some support for these programs. Went back to Kenya two more times, ran coaching education courses and specifically trained Davis, gave him methodology so that he could implement it in other areas of Kenya after we left. Went to Iceland to study the soccer culture of Bikinger. Went to Hungary because <laughs> I, was, I was working soccer plus camps again and Drew goes, Brett, do you have your passport? I was like, no, why? Like we're just in the United States running camps. And he's like, you never know when somebody's going to ask you to go coach in Budapest. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like I can have my passport. So I called my parents right away. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be in Massachusetts in a couple of days. Can you send my passport ahead of me so I can meet it there, fly over to Budapest and coach some kids coached uh, against some of the top academies in the world, a team that, had beat Paris, um, St. Germain, Red Bull Leipzig 
and some other notable clubs. And um, so I, I coached AC Miami, which was a team out of Florida. It was a really, really fun experience and got to, again, play against some really incredible young teams. After that, was blessed. I had a teammate from when I had played on the reserves for the PDL, the Professional Development League for St. Louis Lions, Pedro Franco. And he just was so kind to open his family's home to me and host me. And I just told him when I got off the plane, don't speak any English to me the whole time. I had studied Portuguese because I thought by studying Portuguese, my parents would send me to the World Cup in Brazil, but I didn't realize there was probably like $4,000 to $8,000 expense in it. So never got to use the Portuguese until I got to go to Brazil. And I, through a friend of a friend, worked at the Barcelona school there in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Got to go to Guarujá and study Boca Juniors. Um, I still have some training activities with hula hoops that I do from there. Got to go to Santos and stayed with friends of friends of friends. Man, yeah, the world, soccer really opens up so many doors and my experience, everything's been like through a friend of a friend and somebody else who just loves soccer and soccer is always that connection point. I, I guess the last place that I had been internationally was Nicaragua with Soccer Without Borders. Man, they do incredible work. Soccer Without Borders, if you don't know about it yet, um, that's something to check out because they, they really empower the community through their soccer activation. They have a great model. You have a great story. It's incredible. And I, you know, I love the, the ties. You know, my wife grew up in Sao Paulo and speaks fluent Portuguese. And she actually took both my boys back to Brazil, but then went on a kind of open your eyes trip to Nicaragua, where they stayed in places where you had to wear the mosquito nets and really kind of lived, you know, a poverty sort of life for about a week. And my boys still talk about what that has meant to them. And they appreciate things more because having experienced that, I'm guessing you feel the same way. Oh, absolutely. My favorite thing to bring back when I visit a country like Kenya are the handmade soccer balls. So I'll trade as many of the balls that I bring over for those balls as I can. And when I do individual sessions or when I'm coaching a team, I'll always make a point to have a special moment to share the handmade ball with them. And we'll play a game with it. I'll even sometimes pass one along to the players and say, hey, this is just a reminder, not only of how precious the game is and how it can survive in any environment, it can be a source of joy, but also simply to say, hey, look how much we've been given that we even can go to the store and buy a soccer ball rather than make it out of used straws and cloth. I really like that. And a lot of my friends, uh, I've even given them as wedding gifts before. <laughs> and a lot of my friends that I've given a, a Kenyan ball to will have it displayed somewhere in their house or somewhere in their office as a reminder to them too of just the simple beauty of the game. Amazing young man, Brad Gieske. Check out some of his education fundamentals. Check this out. He's got an MS in human performance, a BS in exercise science, minors in nutrition and chemistry, certified strength and conditioning specialist. He is a soccer for success trainer with U.S. Soccer Foundation, a U.S. Soccer Federation National C license, exercise physiologist at Exercise and Performance Nutrition Laboratory, functional movement screening, secondary school teacher of anatomy and physiology, biology, chemistry, weight, and strength training 
And I saved this last one, the Urban Soccer Diploma Educator with United Soccer Coaches. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast. You told me right before we came on the air that that is part of what you do now. So all of that is amazing and it's beyond amazing, but I'm definitely drawn to the Urban Soccer Diploma Education that you got with United Soccer Coaches and how you apply it to what you do now. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Again, another person that I, I feel very, we sometimes in my family with my wife, we call it overblessed to have uh, experienced or had a relationship with is Vince Gansberg and such a wonderful mentor, such a wonderful coach, always feel the intentionality of spending time with him. So we ended up doing an urban soccer diploma course here in St. Louis for a program called Umoja which is a primarily African refugee group. And Umoja means unity. We were blessed to um, partner with football club STL, which is an indoor street soccer facility in the St. Louis area. And Vince flew in and it was his first one since the pandemic. We, we both, both really enjoyed being in person. And then for the state of Missouri, I'm an outreach coordinator currently. So I developed the urban, rural, and adapted soccer communities for the state. That is incredible and so special because it is so important to make sure that we extend the game to everybody, right? We bring the game to maybe people that it's not as accessible to. Absolutely. And that's how you change the world. Like realistically, there there are going to be some very, very gifted individuals toward the top of the system and they'll be taken care of. There's going to be plenty of resources for them to play because we all want to go and watch them play. But for the base of the pyramid, there are so many kids that would have such great benefits from the game, socially, emotionally, like you name it, there's a benefit in sport and at least another kid that hasn't been reached yet. I always think it's so fun that my job as outreach coordinator is just to be a professional good guy because guess what? I'm not competing for any kids on anything because there, even if I get every kid that I want to get to, there's going to be some left for you too, because there are so many underserved children in our community. And so I'm not competing with you. I'm cooperating. How do we get more and more kids into the game of soccer? It's been a very unique role. And we've actually formed something called the band of Mary men and women for soccer outreach. And so I have to credit Damian Jones for coming up with the name for the band of married men and women. He has such colorful and uh, lively language. It's just really a coalition, a way that we can get together, exchange the methods on how we're serving in the communities, and then get advice, get support, embrace our, kind of our, our friendship and our, our shared efforts in going into either rural or adapted or an urban community and bringing soccer. What's the best way to do it? It's, it's different all around the country. It's different all around the world. But how can we take some of the beauties of how one person's doing it and incorporate it into the beauty we want to bring to a community that's in our domain to serve? Straight from my heart in a non-sycophantic way, I feel like I can say that what you've accomplished under 30 a lot of us won't accomplish under 100. It's just remarkable. But speaking of 30 under 30 and United Soccer Coaches, how did you learn about it? What made you want to be a part of it? And what has it meant to you? Yeah, thank you. I think just knowing that United Soccer Coaches 
was so dear to Tony and recognizing the value of the time that I, I got to be with Tony, with the people that were influenced by Tony, I just knew that this organization had to be really special for somebody like that to endorse it so much. That was really the main driving force for me to look in this direction. Um, in terms of the 30 under 30, when I first read about the program, I was like, wow, yeah, this will be really, really cool if I ever get the chance to, to join the 30 under 30, to be a, a member to this day. It's, yeah, just one of those things you have visions for how your life can go. My first vision was as a player and that vision had a change. And I think things work out in ways you don't imagine. So my first goal, if I had to have defined it at 10 years old, would have been, I want to be a professional soccer player. I imagined that being, okay, I go play for Manchester United, score the game-winning goal, that's the end of the night. But what it really became is I am a professional soccer player. It's just my job within that. I go and I play soccer and I, get, I make a living to go play soccer. That's what it is. But the nuance of it is I'm not doing it for myself anymore. I'm doing it so that more and more kids can play. That's kind of the underlining thing is if I would have become a professional soccer player for myself, if that dream would have been actualized, which I would have gladly taken, I would have gladly accepted that into my life. I would have made one happy athlete. But by becoming a professional soccer player in, in the way that I have, uh, in the way that my life gave a path for, that is the opportunity to make so many more happy soccer players at the end of the day, finding a way to leverage support for communities that are overlooked because they aren't in the limelight. They aren't the ones playing under the light when the game really seems to matter. They're the ones that just want a ball because they, they don't have access to one right now. And I think that's so, so important to, to recognize that anytime we turn our attention one way, we leave a blind spot the other way. And so finding ways that we can cooperate and collaborate to whatever I'm seeing, it may be in the blind spot of another person and perfect, we can serve that. And whatever they're seeing, I can help them find their blind spots and so on and so forth. So just finding a way that everybody can be represented through the game of soccer and have access to the resources that are available to them in the game, I think that really could change the world. It could become something bigger. I think coaching education can be the same too. I think it can be more and more accessible. And I think United Soccer Coaches is doing a great job in moving toward more and more accessible coaching education, which then provides better environments for the players, which then gives them better experiences, which then makes soccer, again, something that can change the world. You, my man, are the real deal. My final question is, kind of similar to the tone of the last one that is you've already done more under 30 than most of us will ever do so I can only imagine how you're going to answer the crystal ball question that I like to ask all of the members of the 30 under 30 and that is what you think you might be doing 10 years from now and I don't know how you put that into words but that's how we're going to end Brad what what do you think uh, you'll be doing 10 years from now any idea well thank you for the for the kind words and for the question I've said that my overall goal would be to serve as a youth national team coach for a lesser known country. 
I, I'm now married. We're expecting our first child any day now. And that goal is still somewhere in my mind, but stability is also something that is creeping into my mind more and more as I'm starting to raise a family or starting to get to that point of building a family. And we just have a new pro team that came into town, St. Louis City, and they're doing really, really incredible things. In particular, Tim Twelman and Sasha Bauer have been so open to communicating with us and working with us as a state association. I think that some role with St. Louis City that allows us to grow the game because they want to be a regional force for good. I think being able to show how that collaboration can happen, being able to show how soccer can change the world, I think would be a really, really great opportunity. So I think working with St. Louis City or the international type of experience of serving a a lesser known country on their youth national team staff would be really awesome. Another great answer from a truly great guy, Brad Gieske, an outstanding member of our 30 under 30 class. Congratulations to you and your bride on the uh, incoming birth of your baby. That's so exciting. And thank you so much for telling your story. It's a good one on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. A real pleasure, Brad. Thank you, Dean. Thank you. What a big time interview that was. And so glad that he shared his ties to Tony DeChico, a man that truly cared about the association. I want to thank all the great members of our association. Special shout out to Bailey Conklin, Brandon Milburn, Erica Dyer, Jeff Van Dusen, and the gang at United Soccer Coaches. Need to thank my producer, Colin Thrash. And I thank all of you. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.